You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more. Today on our show, I'm talking with Jessica Cannon. Jessica, thanks so much for being with me today. Thanks so much for having me. Jessica, we're going to talk about your show. Uh, the title is Veiled at Polina Berlin Gallery, and um, we're talking on the 30th of May, and it shows up through June 24th. So let's talk about it. Veils, you know, there's so many layers to this show, it seems. Um, so maybe we should start with that, with that title uh, because it, that seems to speak to an awful lot of things, right? I really want to talk to you about landscape and, 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 and where you've traveled to. But to begin just with the title, Veils, yeah, what, is, what does that mean to you? Sure. Um, well, I think in relation to the paintings in this show, the title Veils, engages with them in a few different ways. Um, In one sense, it's maybe a formal reference to some of the layering that happens in the paintings with um, some iridescent pigments that are applied to linen or canvas, Um, and then additional layers that then get applied um, very oftentimes using somewhat of a detailed mark-making method that builds up to create these veils of color gradients or um, these overlays on the iridescent pigments underneath. Um, mm. I think also for in thinking about the title, it also um, is exciting to me because it relates to something in the making of them where I feel like I'm trying to see through to something. Um, and I'm not completely sure how the color relationships will unfold until I get a little bit farther along in the painting. So there is a little bit of a sense of the painting revealing itself to me as a maker, but hopefully also for the viewer, um, maybe encountering different things and different lighting conditions and um, having more revealed over the course of repeated viewings. Well, let's just say it's lighting too, right? I mean, I wanted to talk about um, the pandemic for you. I know in the, in the press release it was talking about that you traveled to New Mexico and, and Wyoming for residencies, but that part of this series, and just correct me if I'm wrong, is also about your relationship to that landscape. That's, um, I've never been to, that, to the kind of southwest or, uh, or west much, so I... I I've heard about the light being very different, different, and of course, painters like Agnes Martin that you referenced, you know, spent time there and also had a special relationship to it. Is that a big part of what's happening in this show, your relationship to those landscapes and space? Yeah, I, so um, like yourself, I don't know if you're also from the Northeast originally, but that's, I'm from New York. I am, yeah. Um, yeah, so I've just always grown up in pretty dense areas, whether it was in Brooklyn or then later out on Long Island. Um, and I, now I live in Brooklyn, um, you know, for the last like 20 years or so. And so going to these places was just a real expansion of physical space and an opportunity to observe changing properties of light and color in a way that it can be harder to observe in a more crowded area. 
Um, I think also part of my experience, like you mentioned, the timing of it being during the pandemic, um, you know, that was a time when I spent, you know, from like March 2020 to May 2021 living in Brooklyn and being in an apartment. And it sort of felt like having a chance to go to these more open spaces, it was almost like seeing the world in HD after being like in a very interior space for a while. Um, so I really was very primed to take those things in. Um, but I think another thing out there that was informing the work is maybe a sense of continuity of time that it, I think, can be present in all kinds of landscapes and, and when we have a chance to interact um, maybe more directly with the natural world. Um, but I just felt this connection to mountains that were, you know, many millions of years old. Um, and the time where I had gone out there, um, we had just lost my dad maybe about six months before. And so I think I was also really interested in this, like, continuity of time beyond the scale of my own life and beyond um, maybe the buildings and spaces that I'm so immersed in in my life in Brooklyn. Yeah, that's so, that's so, it's so interesting how, how the pandemic really changes your perception, right? I mean, I guess we're... You know the way you talked about that uh, almost HD reality that that there's something that's um, that's changed collectively but also personally. Of course, artists you know are dealing with it in their own way, but that's it's so fascinating because it's also something internal, right? You're talking about a, like something physiological, even right? How the how the how the world looks, appears, um, but also part of this work and part of that it, it seems to me this show and part of that. Um, that line of thinking is also that there's something internal that's changed. There's some kind of, I don't know, inner light, for lack of a better word, something that's happening. Is, is that also the case in, in these works? I mean, you reference transcendentalism in them as well, right? Yeah, um, I, I do think that's true. I think it's something that I'm still processing and, and grappling with um, because my life was, you know, prior to that time, it was in a certain kind of rhythm of adjuncting between a couple of different places and going from the studio to my apartment to, you know, different places. And it just felt like it was in a, in a very quick rhythm that then when things started to slow down and then when I had that opportunity to really dedicate all of my energy to painting while I was also very um, open to just my surroundings and, and this perhaps like more attuned sense of observation, I think that things started to change and emerge that, um, I, you know, I'm still like working through and exploring in the studio. Yeah, so it 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 seems to me it's kind of um, I mean we're we're talking about also uh, what what I'm trying to get to is this 
as, as you've mentioned, is something kind of beyond the physical world that we're getting to something meditative or something almost um, almost spiritual, which there's a tradition of in, in certain types of abstract painting, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Agnes Martin in particular, I know you have a you feel you have a, a relationship to how. Because she was very much, I don't think she ever called it spiritual, but there was something happening there that was off the canvas, that was in our minds or something, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I liked what you said earlier, this idea of an inner life. Um, because I, I just think that there's something, for me, there's always this echo between this exploration of those things that for me might originate through a really quick drawing. That, that could later become an image in a painting, but it's like there's such a mystery to where that comes from, but often it might reflect something back to me that I didn't maybe have the language verbally to understand or talk about at the time. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely am interested in that relationship to artists like Agnes Martin um, or like you mentioned also the desert transcendentalist as well. Right, right. Yeah, the transcendentalist is something you've also drawn from or are interested in as, as well, right? Mm-hmm. And so these images, let's talk about the imagery too because it's, it's also done in this way. It's kind of... Um, um, you know, these very small marks creating a uh, a, a giant form. So how you're how you're approaching the form is also on this. I mean, for me, that's what happens when you come close and see what looks like an enormous amount of a certain type of work. It's it's another layer that adds to the kind of um, I'm, not, I'm not sure, but 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 part of its narrative, correct? Uh, in terms of the marking being narrative, or um, yeah, it, the, the formal I, I imagery? Of, yeah, the, yeah, the formal imagery, yeah, being narrative, um, and, and in that way of also um, making the formal imagery with you know hundreds and thousands of dots, it's it's assembled in a way that's you know not um, uh, I don't know like brush strokes or thick paint or something. It's the, the way they're assembled also seems. Almost, almost mathematical. I mean, it's not, but of course, but it has a, has a certain feel to it that adds to its its message or its narrative in some way. Does it? Oh no, that's what it's striking me because that brings me in, and I sort of think, wow, look at the kind of obsessive surface of this. Yeah, I I think I think that's definitely true, and a lot of people have experienced that when viewing the paintings. Um, I haven't, I haven't been historically a very obsessive mark maker, and like this is one somewhat surprising thing for me in making this work is it almost feels like building up an endurance to that because it's what I feel like the work like needs to have or what it wants for me in order to be realized, um, mm. and. I, I also, in doing that, have started to experience in that slowing down, it can be a very fertile space for other ideas to emerge, whether they're just little flashes of color relationships or um, maybe more of like a path relating to an image that could 
um, show up in a future painting. Um, so I think they definitely have like a narrative component in, in that sense in the like inner workings of the process of the studio. Um, and in the works, I think sometimes the mark making functions in, in also a formal sense of creating certain optical relationships between the underpainting and then this like surrounding component or these like marks that make the veil on top. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, that, that optical relationship, I guess, is, is also what I meant, you know, in, in, in thinking about Agnes Martin and, and that there's something optically happening there sometimes that is, is different, I guess, is, is, is what I was getting at in the narrative of the whole piece or some of the things we previously talked about. It, it has to do with some kind of thing happening in your brain or something, right? That, that maybe is a little bit like the landscape. I don't know, but there's something almost neurological happening there, isn't it, when it's a kind of visual, not illusion, but that some, uh, the way Agnes Martin can be, the way Bridget Riley can be, but even though that's, that's more, it's not the same thing at all but some kind of like, almost like op art, the way something is happening. Oh, yeah. It. Yeah, it's so interesting, because I feel like it's so interesting you said Bridget Riley, because I feel like I'm just starting to think about her work in, in, in the same context of what I'm doing, and I think it's, but it makes total sense, and I think the reason she hasn't come up for me sooner is that I've always admired, like, the illusory and, like, energetic qualities of her work, and tend to see this accumulation of marks that I've been exploring lately. Like the, the outcome of the work tends to hit maybe like a more calm frequency. Um, but I think there is something like perceptually um, or um, like you said, maybe like neurologically um, similar that could be happening in, in some of what her paintings are doing and what some of my recent work is is exploring. Well, and does that somehow speak to the also the the light and the strangeness of the of the place itself? That's what I don't know because I've never been there. But isn't there also something almost mystical happening in these kind of Western landscapes that are I don't know what it is whether they're endless or it's a quality of light, but something a little a little uh, otherworldly going on. Yeah, I, I do think that's definitely part of the mythology of those places. And it's right. hard as an outsider not to be really pulled into that because even though I was in New Mexico for six months, you know, you, you never, it still doesn't become your home in that time. It doesn't become something that is, um, you're totally fluent in. So, on some level, I do think it occupied a space for me that was a little bit otherworldly. Um, yeah. And, and but I think it's... Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm sorry. Go on, I, I would, go on. You say, oh, I, yeah. yeah, I would just add that the, the works for the show were all actually made back in New York. So I think that... Um, even with the gifts that were given to me in that place of the time to work and the kind of um, shift in scale and perspective that 
that environment offered, um, it, it was something that I feel like I had this, um, this opportunity to make somewhat my own and have it, um, have it be something meaningful that is still kind of growing, maybe in, independent of a particular location. I like that. Um, and so, you know, this is, you know, a show that also has, of course, um, several, several paintings. Um, in terms of the grouping of these, how do you, how do you feel they, they work as a, as a group? Is there a kind of a, an, an overall um, kind of voice of all of them being together? I mean, it seems that it would be much of what we've been talking about, but of course something different happens when they all come together, right? Is there something that comes to mind for you that's different when they're um, all together, so to speak? I, I do think so. I, I feel so grateful for how the space was installed. I think Polina did a really wonderful job hanging the work and creating something that reflects the kind of like conversations that are happening or feel like they're happening in the studio in, in the relationships between the different paintings. Um, I think it's still really fresh for me to be able to have a sense of what they're all saying together with one voice. Um, but I think in some way they're speaking to something that I really love about the process of painting in, in looking for something that maybe I wouldn't have been able to see otherwise. You know, this process, like, through the making of something that is combining the physical and the intellectual with something that's like completely mysterious. Um, and so my hope would be that some, you know, like push and pull between those different elements are present in the paintings and they're kind of maybe exploring that from, from different angles. I like that. It's um, that's so, that's so well put, and it's such a kind of elusive and and uh, and fascinating topic and, and and sort of world to think about. I want to thank you for for making this work and talking with me today. And I, I also want to ask you one more question before we go, which is, what are you um, reading at the moment? Um, so I just finished Edmund DeWall's uh, The Hair with Amber Eyes, and loved it. Um, and I just started uh, Julia Voss's biography of Hilma of Clint, and so far it's it's been really fascinating. Wow, that, that does sound great. Um, I want to thank you again for talking with me. I wish you well with this show. There's links here for everyone who wants to see it, um, running through June 24th. Jessica, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks so much for having me, Brainerd. I appreciate it. You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more.